Welcome to Pop Culture Federation. Welcome to the Pop Culture Federation Podcast. I'm your host, Mikey. I'm Matt. And I am legally obligated to tell you that my name is Ron. In which state? I'm going to make it the state of Washington this time. Mm, yeah. On today's episode, it's another installment of our favorite series. And today we're going to be talking about our favorite Steves. Steve! Steve! Is that a talking monkey? <laughs> Steve! Steve! They're... Steve probably was probably the easiest one to do. Oh my god. Behind Bill. Yeah. It was So do you want to start off with the honorable mentions? Well no, actually we'll do that at the end. Let's do that at the end. Okay. We'll do that at the end, guys. Alright, Ron, kick us off. What's your favorite Steve? Oh jeez. Well, you know, there were so many Steves to pick from. Um probably the one that I'm gonna start out with is my favorite musical Steve, which is Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Uh, 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 uh. Uh. Stevie Wonder is. Uh, well, if you don't know who Stevie Wonder is, pause this podcast, go on to Spotify, search his name, listen to his greatest hits album, and we'll see you in about two hours. Um, also, search Pop Culture Fan on Spotify and give us a like and a subscribe there, too, please. <laughs> That's called a plug. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Stevie Wonder. Born Steveland Morris, uh, so technically you know he's you know, he's Steve, but whatever. Uh, yeah, Steve? no, Steveland. Hmm. I didn't know there was a name. Yeah, uh, child. He was actually a child prodigy that was uh, founded. Like Motown found this guy, and throughout his early years, like Marvin Gaye was his drummer, and so he he had. That's so cool. Uh, what you call it? Yeah, he signed with Motown at the age of eleven, and he uh, what you call it? He had his first hit at the age of thirteen, making him the youngest person to ever top the chart. So, <laughs> yeah, so he's been around for a while. Um, and in fact, a lot of people know Steve Stevie Wonder. I mean, it's like it's not like a bad thing to say. Stevie Wonder's blind. He actually wasn't born blind. What happened was uh, Stevie Wonder uh, was a preemie, and they actually put too much oxygen into the incubator, and you know things went wrong in his body, and he actually lost his sight. I think six months after he was born. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean Stevie Wonder is just one of the greatest artists of the '70s. Hey, we just talked about that. He's been nominated for. 71 Grammy Awards. <laughs> Holy crap. Think about that. 71 Grammy. He's won 25 of them. He has two um, honorary doctorates. He's Oh, he won 25 of those uh, 71 nominations, by the way. Uh, he's got a, a period of albums that he released in the 1970s that his fans affectionately call the perfect period. Which is basically like um, going from music of my mind to songs in the key of life. 
those five albums. So it's Music of the Mind, Talking Book, Inner Visions, uh, Fulfillingness of, of First Finale, and Songs in the Key of Life. It's just like the, the, those albums are incredible. It's basically just like a greatest hits back to back to back. Yeah. Songs in the Key of Life has like Sir Duke and I Wish and Isn't She Lovely. And Songs in the Key of, Key of Life is one of my favorite albums of all time. I Stevie have it on Wonder. Vinyl. Yeah. It's just Stevie Wonder is just an incredible artist. And he's worked with so many people. He actually. Stevie Wonder, he's uh, what you call. Uh, he was given the uh, the Medal of Freedom, and he is just you know Stevie Wonder, one of the greatest musical artists of all time. He is my number one pick for for Steve's, and I think it would be hard for anyone not to take him for uh, you know in, if you're making a list of Steve's, and if you're making a list of Steve Lins, if he's not your number one pick, I don't know who it is. So, yeah. yeah, that would be a very contentious draft, Stevens. <laughs> so yeah, that's a uh, that's my first pick. Uh, who's uh, who's going next with their Steve? I'll go. All right. So my first of my favorite Steves is none other than Steve Jobs, born in 1954 in San Francisco, California. And he was adopted by Paul and Clara Jobs. In Steve Jobs was adopted? Yes, his parents were Syrian immigrants, I believe. Whoa. What? He later, I think, connected with his father. His father, his biological father, owned a restaurant. And he would frequent there. But I don't know if the, the man ever found out that that was his son or not. I think wow. they did. I think he did eventually, but not for a while. It was, yeah. it, it's in uh, one of the movies about him. I was just going to say, I, I haven't seen either of the movies about him. So I saw the movies. I read the book. Um, but Steve Jobs, in 1974, began working for Atari as a technician. And in 1975, he and Steve Wozniak created the game Breakout. Uh, during this time, he also traveled to India to seek enlightenment. In 76, Woz showed Jobs the basic designs of the Apple I computer. And Jobs told Woz they should sell it. And that led to the foundation of Apple, the conglomerate that we have today. Jobs introduced the Apple II, which was a massive success in the late 70s, early 80s. And then in 1984... The Macintosh was released with a 1984-style commercial, 1984 as in reference to the book by George Orwell, during the Super Bowl. The Macintosh failed due to slow processing speed, high price, and limited software. Jobs resigned from Apple in 1985 and founded a company called Next. Jobs also founded Pixar and was the executive producer on their first film, which Ron didn't mention in our 90s podcast, Called hey, Toy Story in 1995. Knows about Toy Story, okay, and A Bug's Life. Disney purchased Pixar in 2006 for 7.4 billion with the B dollars. They made they made out like a bandit with that. They really did. In 1996, Apple bought Next in order to bring Jobs back. Apple was struggling and needed innovation. Jobs was named full-time CEO in two, the year 2000. During his time, he introduced the iMac, 
which you can famously see in the movie Legally Blonde. It had various different colors, a shell-shaped, uh, built-in speakers, and it had a mouse that came with it. I always thought that they looked so cool growing up. They did. I agree. And so did the laptop versions mm-hmm. that came out later with the oh, shell. Like, the, like the bubbles kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Then the iPod revolutionized the way we listen to music and became the dominant force of the basically eliminating CDs. Sayonara, Walkman. (laughs) Yeah, the, well, CD players beat the Walkman and the iPod beat that. I remember in high school how embarrassing it was for like, you know, like when you would start the year and like the teachers would give you the syllabus and it's like, you know, no iPods, no CD players, no Walkmans. And you're just like, bro, it's the the mid 2000s. We, uh, (laughs) what (laughs) losers carrying a Walkman around. The punk kids usually did. But anyway, the iTunes platform was launched around the time of the iPod, and that revolutionized the ways people bought music. Now you can buy music digitally, and you can buy individual songs with the click of a button, and then put them right on your iPod. iTunes is one of Apple's biggest moneymakers to this day, and it is still around. Still prominent. Oh, yeah. It also spun off the App Store. Uh, Speaking of apps, the iPhone. Jobs famously said, I want to put a phone in the iPod. And they did it. You can now go on the internet, use a phone, and listen to music all in one device. A widescreen iPod with touch controls, a revolutionary mobile phone, and a breakthrough internet communications device, an iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator, an iPod, a phone. Are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. The iPhone went on to be a global success. It is one of the best-selling phones to this very day, uh, with new models coming out yearly. And then, lastly, during Jobs' time, the iPad was introduced, which brought a tablet form with Apple software uh, that is also in very much in use today. And it has evolved to almost be a replacement for a laptop for some people on the go. Uh, Unfortunately, Jobs had to resign from Apple in 2011 due to health reasons, and he passed away in October of 2011. Steve Jobs ended up holding over 450 patents in his life. Wow. Holy crap. So, without Steve Jobs, I think we would not have many, many of the things that we have today. Um, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates were very good friends up until the end. Many thought that they were competitors because Microsoft versus Apple, but no, actually they were very good friends and they would, um, make friendly bets with each other, hang out. They, they did not have a rivalry, like maybe a friendly one, but not a, you know, fierce competitive one. They were adversaries. 
Um, sure. Is that like a nice way of saying they were friends? Sure. Well, they were. And they frequently like bounced ideas off of each other and and whatnot. So the Steve Jobs, um, many have written that he's a little bit difficult to work with. Um, that he he was you can definitely see the innovation that innovation that's missing from Apple now without him. Yes. And I think Tim Cook is fine. He's a supply chain guy. He kind of knows how to run a business, but I don't think he knows anything. Well, I don't think he's in really in the creative aspect of it. I think they're just trying to improve on Steve Jobs' ideas. And the the type of mind that he has is once once in a you know a decade kind of thing. Apple could really use him right now or somebody similar to him. But Steve Jobs is the first of my favorite Steves. I guess it's my turn now then, huh? Hey, Matt, it's your turn now. Oh, all right. Well, uh, so my first Steve, um, we're going to kind of be breaking the glass a little bit with this one. That's right, brother. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I'm not talking about the $6 million man, Steve Austin. I'm talking about <laughs> Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. Uh, so, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin's got McMahon. Austin's got McMahon. So, Stone Cold Steve Austin, or Stephen James Anderson... He was born in Austin, Texas, on December 18th, 1964. Um, he he didn't actually start out wrestling, although he always loved wrestling. Uh, and I believe he went to, like, a Von Erich show while he was in, like, high school, college, after playing football. And he was like, that's what I want to do. Uh, so after a short stint career in college football at north texas ron uh he <gasps> went to uh wrestling school and um thus began the career of steve austin uh he was one of the very few people to actually wrestle in the three biggest promotions in the 90s at the time uh he started his career off in wcw where he teamed up with the he started in the dangerous alliance with paul e dangerously aka paul Heyman. um that's right um that's where he first started his career in wcw um he won the world television championship a couple times there um with paul dangerous paul e dangerously uh but after that he which title the television title uh yeah and the tag title. Well, I'm getting to the tag title. Um, and then what he's more known for in WCW was his time with uh, Brian Pillman with the Hollywood Blondes. Uh, now that one was now that tag team was uh, a pretty big tag team during that run, and they were constantly winning uh, the WCW tag title. Um, and 
he did a singles run after that up until 95, and then he got a knee injury, which put him on the shelf. Uh, and then in June 1995, Austin was then fired by WCW Executive Vice President Eric Bischoff after suffering a tricep injury on a Japanese tour. Uh, and if Bischoff famously thinking that Austin was not a marketable wrestler. Uh, so after being put on the shelf for a couple months, uh, his former manager gave him a call, Paul Hammond, and asked him to join... Ex- Dream Championship Wrestling, or ECW. Now, Austin was still recovering from that injury, so he um, he was more of a... Austin was recovering from his injuries at the time, so this was the moment where he started working on his Stone Cold persona and also got to get his uh, reps in to be able to do a promo or basically do what wrestlers just like be able to speak to the camera and be like the I'm coming for you brother that's basically what a promo is. Uh he his more famous ones at ECW where he would be making fun of Bischoff and McMahon and pretty much like making fun of uh, the Monday Night Wars at the time. Uh while he was able to wrestle Paul Heyman actually wanted Austin to become the ECW champion. But Austin refused because he thought he would be better as a hunter rather than the hunted. Um, He was in one uh, title match for the ECW Heavyweight Championship. It was a triple threat between the Sandman, Mikey Whipwreck, and Steve Austin, to which the Sandman would win. And that was his last time working for ECW because then he got the call from the WWF the World Wrestling Federation at the time, to which he became task ringmaster. Right, I always think it's taskmaster, even though that's somewhat different. Um, so, it's a, it's a Marvel villain, but yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he joined the WWF because Vince McMahon was convinced by Jim Ross and Kevin Nash that they should hire him for late. They should hire him to join. Uh, he was slotted with Ted DiBiase and became the ringmaster and won the million dollar title based off of it. Um, and his first appearance was the Royal Rumble. But he felt that that character wasn't really doing it for him. So he decided to inspire his character off of the famous mafia hitman Richard Konklinski or the Iceman. And um, after a famous king of the ring victory austin 316 was born uh he then became the most popular wrestler of all time i know that's going to upset mike but (laughs) steve austin is the most popular wrestler of all time uh second vince mcmahon himself said that steve austin was the most popular wrestler of all time while stone cold was in wwe or wwf he had won 19 total titles. Or, well, this is including WCW, but he won 19 total titles. Six time as a WWF champion, two time Intercontinental champion, four time tag team champion. Uh, he was the fifth Triple Crown winner of the WWF. He was also a 96 King of the Ring, which is the famous Austin 316 speech. He was. He's also the only wrestler to ever win three Royal Rumbles. 
where he won it in 97, 98, and 2001. He was all he, he also main evented three WrestleManias. Er, four. Three? Because he did the. Th- 14, 15, 17, 19. Right. So it was four. So the four. three Rock Austins, and also when he won his first title, beating uh, Shawn Michaels. Michaels. After that, uh, he had to... Well, after all of his run, he had to retire due to various injuries. Uh, He had a slow stint as Sheriff on Raw, but uh, he also had a small movie career where he was in The Longest Yard. That's probably his most famous role. Yeah. Is him in the lo- in the longest yard, but he was also in a incredibly underrated action movie called The Expendables. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Steve Austin. Uh, who can't say that he? Who I would challenge somebody. I want you to find someone to say that Stone Cold Steve Austin isn't the man. He has inspired a generation to hate their boss and just want to give them the middle <laughs> finger. He has inspired a generation of people that hate their boss. <laughs> but yeah, Steve Austin. He's my first Steve. Good pick, good pick. He's good. Not great. It's fine. What do you mean he's good, not great? Steve Austin is the... Stone Cold is like the best wrestler. He's not, in my, he's not on my Mount Rushmore. That's just because you're a Hogan stan. That's a, that's a shitty Mount Rushmore, then. <laughs> Why? Hogan, Rock. That's really all you need. Them too. Wow, that's a that that's pretty sad, Mike. On to my yeah, Steve Ho- Hogan, Rock, Cena, McMahon, probably. If I had to, Cena, McMahon. You're putting Cena over Austin is just Cold. stupid. <laughs> yes, I'm doing that because Cena made so much money for the kids. What? That's great. My second Steve. Again, just like Stevie Wonder, technically, like, you know, you can call him Steve, but that's not actually his first name. My second Steve is Steve Young, born John Stephen Young. I feel lied to. (laughs) Steve Young, if you don't know who he is, he was a quarterback who played mostly for the San Francisco 49ers in the 1990s. And he was the man who was tasked with replacing Joe Montana after they sent him off to the Kansas City Chiefs. And Steve Young knocked it out of the freaking park. Um, Possibly my favorite quarterback of all time. I'm sorry, Joe Flacco. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to speak such sacrilege. Um, But yeah, so... I hate it. Steve Young technically has three Super Bowls. Uh, he won two sitting behind Montana and he got, uh, one, the famous monkey off his back, uh, by winning, uh, Super Bowl 29. And he also won the Super Bowl MVP. He is a member of both the college and pro football hall, hall of fames. He's a two time NFL MVP. He is the all time leader in career passer percentage in nine uh sorry passer rating in 96.8 also he's a lefty who could run like 
he's actually like done interviews saying like he's he's like jealous and he wishes that he was born later because he wishes that he would be in today's NFL because he's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I would dominate. He would dominate. Yeah. He, he's like as, as good as I did, because like he had over 4,000 career rushing yards. Like, remember, this is the nineties when a lot of like, who are your big, like running quarterbacks back then? Like, you know, Randall Cunningham, like, you know, Steve Young ran around, had a lot of rushing touchdowns today. He would have absolutely killed it because like he could stay in the pocket too. Anyway, I'm digressing, kind of. He is also um, a descendant of Brigham Young, who founded BYU University, (laughs) (laughs) which he, uh, yeah, so uh, Steve Young went to BYU. That's where he actually came in second in Heisman voting his senior year. And so, yeah, Steve Young, a strong argument could be made that he possibly could have been better than Montana if Montana hadn't been on the 49ers because like uh Young was just that good and he probably would have won those Super Bowls for them but it also of note he played in the U like he started his career in the USFL yes. and and signed a 43 year contract which yeah would have only expired uh, actually I don't think it expired yet so yeah uh, <laughs> it's the Bobby Bonilla of football. Shut up. Shut your freaking <laughs> face right now. He got paid today. Happy shut Bobby up. Bonilla everyone day, shut everyone. up. Bobby Bonilla does not deserve to be talking to be talked about for his excellent financial maneuverings. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, this is the second USFL quarterback mentioned in our favorite series. Uh, I know. USFL are, had some great quarterbacks. Are we USFL fans? I guess so. Um, yeah, if you've ever seen the, the documentary Small Potatoes, watch it. It's a terrific doc. It's a 30 for 30 doc by ESPN. It's about the rise and fall of the USFL. Yeah, so Steve Young, just an incredible guy. My favorite ESPN analyst still, even though he's been out of the league for more than 20 years now, he just still kind of gets it. And he's just, you know, he's just really good. I really like Steve Young. I think he's, uh, Matt knows this, like, like one of, if not my favorite quarterback of all time, he, he's just great. Every time, like I, I see like a quarterback that can run a little bit, but can also like stay in the pocket and throw accurately. I'm like, oh man, that guy's the next Steve Young. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, lo- love Steve Young. Love love lefties wearing the number eight, and he just looked really good in that like San Francisco 49ers, 49ers uniform when he's got, you know, the gold helmet and the red top and the white pants. Oh, so yeah, Steve Young is my second pick for Steve's. All right, Michael, who is your second Steve or Steven or Steveland? <laughs> I can't get over that. My second Steve is... Steve Ditko, uh-huh. born in nineteen, born in nineteen twenty-seven in Jonestown, Pennsylvania, to Slovakian parents. He joined the army in nineteen forty-five and drew comics for the army newspaper in post-war Germany. As a fan of Jerry Robinson, the creator of the Joker, Ditko used GI Bill to go to art school in New York City, where Robinson was teaching. He began working for Atlas Comics in 1955 in New York City and, contribu- and contributed many stories 
in the Tales of Suspense, Strange Tales, and Amazing Adventure series, among others. This is what Steve Ditko is most known for. Stan Lee approached Jack Kirby about making a teen superhero called Spider-Man, but he did not like Kirby's interpretation of the character. Lee then approached Ditko. Stan Lee thought of the character, and Ditko created the image and likeness along with some key characteristics characteristics like web shooters. Spider-Man first debuted in Amazing Fantasy number 15 in August of 1962 and was a huge success. One of the peak issues of the Lee Ditko era is Amazing Spider-Man number 33, which was voted the 15th best Marvel moment back in 2001. Ditko beautifully captured the anguish that Spider-Man was going through while being trapped under heavy machinery in an attempt to retrieve an isotope from Doc Ock to save Aunt May's life. Ditko also created Doctor Strange in July of 1963 in Strange Tales number 110. His key work at Marvel was in Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, but he also worked on other various titles throughout his tenure at Marvel. Later, he worked for various comic companies, including DC, where he created the superhero The Creeper, until he retired from mainstream comics in 1998. Steve Ditko was found dead in his apartment in New York City at the age of 90 in 2018. Oh my god, Jesus. Yep. He is the creator of Spider-Man. And we have him to thank for the way Spider-Man is look, really looks, and he captured that very iconic image and created the red and blue suit. Uh, most people during this era really think about Jack Kirby as the creator of everything with Stan Lee, but that is not true. Steve Ditko created two huge, massively popular characters uh, that we still see to this day and are really big in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So thank you to Steve Ditko for that. So he is my second favorite Steve. Mike, wow. can I can I just say, uh, interjecting, I, during this, looked up a an, the only known image of Jack Kirby's Spider-Man because I just became insanely curious about that. It is a very bad design. <laughs> so um, I am glad that uh, they went with the Steve Ditko one. Me too. I I I always have loved the Spider-Man costume. Yeah. It's beautiful. Spider-Man is one of the most recognizable characters on Earth. Um, and we have Steve Ditko to thank for that. He, so it's kind of sad later in life this is like rumor and innuendo he uh, supposedly didn't get any money from the spider-man movies um, and he wasn't approached for the doctor strange movie because people think thought that he didn't want to be involved he's a very private person and he didn't really do interviews much he did some for some comic magazines but he wasn't one to go to conventions and the like like that um, where Stan Lee was known for going to every convention, right. <laughs> especially towards the end of his life. I met him twice. And um, so Steve Ditko uh, lived 90 years old and, you know, all, and still live in New York City. So he, uh, he definitely left his mark on the pop culture world for sure, especially uh, comics, movies, everything. That's so sad. He never got to 
see like how much people well i'm sure he got to see like how much people appreciated his work but like didn't care i i don't know if we didn't care he just i don't he he was quoted something along the lines of saying i'm in i'm the artist so like people what people attribute to me is my is steve Dicko the artist like they don't know like me and my person my personality so that it was something along those lines like yeah. it's almost like steve Dicko is like the character right that he plays as like the artist and that's the one that people think and like i don't but they don't know him as like an individual so um i think from what i've read he seems like a very private person um <clears throat> Not so the the thing, but not receiving any money was debatable. I'm not sure if that was true. Uh, it's some, just a rumor. S- some sources say it was. Some sources say it wasn't. But either way, he did live to 90 years old, and it is not. It is confirmed. It's not a a something to be debated. Is that Spider-Man's lasting success and mark on pop culture? So if you haven't. Check out some early Spider-Man issues. I think he went all the way up to like 30-something, 40-something of Amazing Spider-Man. And check out some early Steve Ditko, or some Steve Ditko art. It wasn't early art, but some Steve Ditko art. And some key moments from Spider-Man's early years. So I guess it's time for my second Steve. Uh, So... My second Steve is also one of my favorite comedians of all time, and that, of course, is a man by the name of Stephen Martin. Uh, he was all, uh, another Steve born in Texas. <laughs> for me, Steve Martin, well, not for me, Stephen Glenn Martin was born August 15th, 1945 in Waco, Texas. Um, before his acting career, though, he did have... Um, some famous bits of stand-up, and also wrote, he wrote television, that's how he's got his start. Um, he actually won an Emmy Award at the age of 23 for being a writer for the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Yes. Now, if you have told me that the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour ever won an Emmy, I would say you're lying. That show doesn't sound real. But there it is. Uh, He also wrote for the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour and the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour. So, pretty high praise if you ask me. Uh, From then, he... So it says. Uh, Then, moving on towards the mid-70s, that's when he started getting his stand-up and started appearing on, like, The Tonight Show... Uh, the Muppet Show, and most famously, Saturday Night Live is probably where he got was famous from. He was never actually a cast member, but Steve Martin appeared the second most times as a host, and SNL's audience jumped by t- a million viewers whenever he made guest appearances, according to SNL. Um, he, like I said, he wow. hosted SNL. 15 times, second only to Alec Baldwin, who hosted 17 times, which is fucking nuts. That's basically like once a year. <laughs> yeah. Especially for Alec Baldwin. Well, he's on it. He was on it like every week at some point, but he never hosted it. 
Um, and at one point of his hosting gigs for SNL, he got his a uh, song that actually made it to the Billboard two hundred, uh, the <laughs> Billboard two hundred with King Tut, where it peaked at seventeenth on the Billboard charts, which is insane. Wasn't the uh, band it, called like King Tut and the Toot Uncommons? Yes. <laughs> and it's actually a pretty catchy song. Uh it's it's very funny. King Tut. King Tut. Now when he was a young man, he never thought it seemed Uh but after that, he started uh, acting in movies. His first major movie that he was in was the Muppet movie, where he made a cameo appearance as a waiter. But his first leading role where, that took off was The Jerk. Um, <laughs> and after that, he had a pretty insane run uh, with... Well, with first, an underrated movie that I love dearly is called Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Uh, it's very hard to find, but it is a very good movie if you ever get the chance to watch it. I highly recommend it. Um, but this murders row of Three Amigos, Little Shop of Horrors, Roxanne, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Like, those were five movies in a row that he starred in. Um, all of them are very good. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is also a great thanksgiving movie which does not get into a lot of love there are we need more thanksgiving movies people <laughs> um and then later in life uh later in his acting career he moved to uh more family style movies with cheaper by the dozen father of the bride and pink panther yo uh, father of the bride slaps and it, part two man yeah they're actually yeah i've only seen the first one but uh i i love the first one can I, can uh, I just say, secretly, I have, I do have an idea in my mind. Steve Martin, if you ever listen to this, I do have an idea for Grandfather of the Bride. Let, just <laughs> like, okay, just just reach out to me. I have a great idea, okay? Uh, so, uh, after the movie career, he kind of went back to his writing, where he has written some plays. Uh, and he also, um, not... He so a big prop of his that he would use during his stand-up routine was a banjo, uh, and because of the banjo, he started to record bluegrass music, and he's come up with a couple albums since two thousand and nine, and he's had a couple of number one. He's had six number ones on the bluegrass charts. Uh, it seems like every year that he comes out with an album, he has gotten a number one song from it what um yeah it's pretty cool like it's cool right <laughs> okay uh, and the music the music like it's really cool it's like really rad like it's it's good oh. music but it's also like it's steve martin well it's bluegrass so. yeah it's like it's the wild and crazy guy like steve <laughs> martin like playing a serious bluegrass song um, and it's oh, really oh, cool. He, he plays it serious? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird, but it's like so cool at the same time. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, like he's he's an amazing performer. He can he's a natural triple threat. He can pretty much <laughs> do anything. Um, but Steve Steve Martin, he's he's one of the best, one of the greats. So that is my second Steven. Okay, that's a wrong. That's a great pick for a Steve. Unfortunately, Matt, I think I. Okay, I might not have you beat, but still, this next Steve for me is like very close to my heart, and he's just an all-around great guy, incredible range. It is Steve Buscemi. Mm. Yeah, Steve Buscemi. Like, think about the range on this guy where he can go from playing crazy eyes in the Big Daddy movie. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy Eyes in the Big Daddy <laughs> movie. And, like, <laughs> wanting, like in that movie, wanting to get paid in McDonald's breakfast sandwiches, which is, you know, it was an Adam Sandler movie in the 90s, to winning several Emmys and Golden Globes for the very serious role uh, in Boardwalk Empire. Like, <laughs> he was also the guy in uh, Billy Madison. Yeah, and he also. Glad I called that guy. Man, I'm glad I called that guy. He also played, uh, like, a Crazy Eyes type character in friggin' Mr. Deeds. Yeah. And a not so Crazy Eyes character, but in Big Lebowski. Yeah. But a Crazy Eyes character in 30 Rock. He has a. (laughs) He has. He has admitted that he has. um, Like, he's noticed that a lot of his characters die, like in Fargo (laughs) and stuff. He says that his favorite death is Donnie and the Big Lebowski because it's just so, you know, it's yeah. just so subtle. And like the way that he goes out being thrown into the ocean and then his ashes and then his ashes immediately hitting Jeff Bridges in the face. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. He died in the Sopranos also. Spoiler. But I mean, what the f- oh, please. God damn it, Matt. He was in the Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, Steve Buscemi, the the famous story that you see a lot of times on like, you know, Reddit, like, you know, mildly interesting or like today I learned Steve Buscemi during the 9-11 attacks, um, you know, he initially when he started out, uh, you know, as a not as like before he became an actor, he worked for a fire engine company in New York City. And when the 9-11 attacks happened, he uh, went back that day to them and like he helped in the rescue effort during 9-11 so obviously a great guy but can i say that that is extremely heroic and probably the best thing about steve buscemi but five months before that he was in a bar with vince vaughn and the screenwriter of the movie he was working on at the time and attempting to break up the uh, like a fight that ensued between Vince Vaughn, the screenwriter, and a couple of patrons. He was trying to break it up and got stabbed in the face. Jesus. <laughs> and he still has the scar. Apparently, they cover it up with a lot of makeup. I've never noticed it. But yeah, Steve Steve Buscemi got stabbed in the face and lived to tell the tale. So, yeah, that's now my favorite thing about Steve Buscemi. Uh, great actor, freaking hilarious on 30 Rock. Like, you know, Steve Buscemi is is that meme of uh, how How do you you do, do, fellow fellow Yeah. So, yeah. Steve Buscemi is that guy. He's just, you know, 
he can be funny. He can be serious. Would like that guy? He's got range. What can you say? He's just a he's just a great Steve. I don't think anyone would say you know he's a he's an incredible Steve. But personally, I just I love to love Steve Buscemi. <laughs> he's a very memorable actor, and it's not just because of his appearance. He's also a great actor. Yeah, no, he's a legitimately great actor. He has also gone on record saying that he refuses to get his teeth like fully fixed because they're like uh, because he said like it makes it helps him play the everyman more because you know his teeth are Mm -hmm. screwed up so he also has a weirdly soothing voice yeah he does oh steve buscemi asmr thing i gotta google that oh (laughs) guys this is our second get rich quick scheme right now (laughs) Making celebrities make ASMR videos. Forcibly doing ASMR. <laughs> Hi, this is Steve Buscemi, and I've just been uh, kidnapped. Kidnapped? Please Forced don't. to do <laughs> Say it sexier! <laughs> Hello. Uh, hi, it's uh, okay. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my three Steves, Stevie Wonder, Steve Young, and Steve Buscemi. And I'm going to swing it over to Mike. To tell us who his final Steve is, Mike. So I am keeping with the comic book theme. Oh. And I'm going with Steve Rogers. Of course. Like Captain America Steve Rogers? That is right. Captain America Steve Rogers. A fictional character in the Marvel comics and cinematic universe. Steve Rogers first appeared in Captain America Comics in 1941, written and drawn by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby for Timely Comics, which was a predecessor of Marvel Comics. Fun fact, I met Joe Simon at his last convention ever. Wow. Very cool. Yep. He was like 96, 7. He was that hard for me. I wasn't... Jesus. No, he 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 just liked doing it, liked meeting people. Oh, okay. And it keeps me alive. I I had to fake sick to call out of work so I can catch the train and get to New York. Can you can you like reenact you faking sick? Like, hold on, I'll be I'll be work. Hello, this is Mike's work. My stomach hurts. Okay, see you next week. Sounds convincing. Yep. <laughs> and um, so I went. Uh, I was actually, no, sorry. I was actually at work and I pretended to be sick to go. Oh, and I caught, I caught the train. Well, because he wasn't going to be there the next day. So I was like, well, I have to go. So I had to get on the train. I got over to New York and I rushed to the line at the con that he was at. And the handler was like, no, the line's capped. You have to go. I was like, no, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> and then these two women were in front of me. And I, I, so I was like determined. I was like, I missed meeting out on you last year at a con because I did the same thing. He was there for only one day and I missed it. I went on different days and I didn't get him. So I was like, no, he's in his late nineties. I got to meet him. So I went. And these two women who were in front of me were like, you know, just stay behind us. It's fine. And then the guy kept coming over and goes, you can't be here. And she goes, this is my, what she say, this is my nephew? 
Or she's like, this is my son. She's like, yeah, this is my son. And he goes, oh. He goes, this is your mom? So she, she, she did say, she's like, what's your name? And I was like, I was like, oh, it's Mike. And then she's like, no, this is my son, Mike. And then she goes, yeah, I'm his, I'm his aunt, this other lady. This is and my son, like, Michael. So, so then the guy was like, okay, fine, but no more relatives <laughs> come in. Like you're the last person. Um, so eventually, when I got up there, uh, they took like a break, and he was like eating a hot dog. And then Joe Simon was making fun of his handler, I guess, for being too like uptight. And he uh, would like while he he's like, he was like an old grandpa, and it was really really adorable while he was eating his hot dog. And <laughs> he um, took a he signed like a I didn't even have anything to get signed. He signed like a print that they had there, and then we took a picture on a uh, disposable camera. So I had to wait to get that developed to see if it even came out well. And uh, there were a couple people ended up coming lo- online after me. So I was one of the last few people to ever meet Joe Simon at a con. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, so that's my story about him. I've, I've like, not to sidetrack off Steve Rogers, but I've met, I met Jerry Robinson, the creator of Joker. I met Carmine Infantino, creator of The Flash. Um, I met Stan Lee. I met a bunch of these people who unfortunately passed away. So I was, I feel very fortunate that I got to meet them whenever I go to cons to meet somebody or especially like wrestlers and stuff. If somebody who's there all the time, I always say, you know, if you really want to meet them, just try and do everything you can to go meet them because you never know, you know, what could happen in the world, knock on wood. And then also you never know if they're just never going to do a con again. So, you know, take advantage of any opportunities while you can. So back to Steve Rogers. (laughs) Uh, the cover to issue number one showed Steve Rogers as Captain America punching Nazi leader Adolf Hitler in the face. Fuck yeah! Good. This was one month before Pearl Harbor and one year before American troops landed in Europe. Captain Amer- Captain America battled enemies of the United States and its allies during the war. Who is and Steve the- Rogers? <laughs> And, and issues sold over. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> no worries. Issues sold over one million copies per month. The original run ran through 1949. A tryout issue in 1963 showed the Human Torch battling an imposter, Captain America. At the end of the book, it was written to fans that this was a test to see if readers wanted to see Captain America come back to comics. The results were overwhelmingly positive. Steve Rogers was found frozen in Avengers number 4 in 1964 in a block of ice and suspended animation after the war. It was explained that he his plane that he was on had crashed and he had landed in the ice and was frozen. Steve... Sounds good so that's to me! How they, so that's how they brought him back into more modern comics. That's why he appeared in Avengers 4 and not in Avengers 1. Not an original Avenger. Technically, no. Take that to your trivia. To your bar trivia. Steve Martin Rogers was born in Brooklyn, New York, to poor Irish immigrant parents. Rogers' parents died while he was young, and prior to the war, he was a scrawny, skinny, weak artist who drew comics. Rogers was rejected for the military service for not being physically fit, and was selected for a top-secret super soldier program where he would later become Captain America, and would battle the Red Skull and the Nazi regime. Steve Rogers is known for carrying a vibranium shield with a star in the center that is red, white, and blue. 
That is his signature weapon of choice, along with his super strength, speed, and agility. Rogers is reunited with his wartime friend Nick Fury, and he takes on missions for S.H.I.E.L.D. while not with the Avengers. Steve meets and eventually trains Sam Wilson, who will later become the Falcon. And then if you read current comics, or more current comics, he does take the mantle of Captain America. Steve Rogers was involved in many key Marvel stories, such as Secret Wars, Civil War, Secret Invasion, and among others. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he is portrayed by actor Chris Evans. The one of the perfect castings, in my opinion. Yes, he looks like Steve Rogers. The the best comic book castings of all time are Christopher Reeve as Superman and Chris Evans as Captain America. And RDJ. One and one A. Yeah, I was surprised you didn't put RDJ first. Mostly because I feel that there are a lot of other actors who can be that kind of personality like not to say that RDJ isn't great as Iron Man, but it's just it's hard to play a character who like has a flat arc, which most of the time Captain America does, and you have to be a really good actor. And you, like he also looks the part as well. Chris Evans like is Captain America. Yeah, and I think my favorite Avenger in the MCU. I blue, I'm torn. I don't know who my favorite Avenger is. Probably, probably Spider-Man, honestly, but um, I really like Captain America, the character. I think the way he's always been portrayed as like a man out of time is has been well, very well done over the years. Um, he's His villains got a little boring and he didn't, you know, sometimes the truth's justice in the American way kind of thing gets a little annoying. Superman evolved past that captain america didn't too much until later and then you get into the the arc where during civil war i think that was one of the best stories and portrayals of captain america ever written where they're him and iron man are fighting about real issues that are impacting like going against the government which he fought for for so many years so i think his evolution as a character and then you kind of see Steve Rogers, because many, many times, too, they show Steve Rogers outside of the Captain America suit. So you see Steve Rogers as the person, and how Steve Rogers is tackling all these issues. Um, and his ideology does match up with Captain America's. So it's, I think he's one of the better written characters in the Marvel Universe. And I think up until recently, with the movies, he didn't get enough credit that he deserved. The the first Avenger is the most underrated MCU movie. Yeah. And Cap two yeah. is one of my favorites. It's, it's one of the best. Yeah. It's it's the one that really like kicked off the MCU in my opinion. Or like brought it back after like Iron Man three and Thor two i'm sorry i'm sorry Ron. you can listen to those in our archives as one of the first few episodes we've ever done so that that wraps up my steves as steve jobs steve ditko and steve rogers all right so on to my last steve and again this one is kind of a more personal one for me so i'm going to go with Steve Irwin. 
yes. Uh, everyone's favorite crocodile hunter. Um, this dude, this dude, like, he made, for me, he was really, the, like, the first dude to kind of show that, like, not, not just cute animals are cool. Like, he made, like, reptiles and amphibians and, like, fish, like, very interesting creatures to me. Um, he actually filmed the first season of The Crocodile Hunter on his honeymoon. <laughs> what? Yeah, he filmed footage on their honeymoon, and that became the first episode. Uh, the series debuted on Australian TV in 1996 and made its way onto North American television the following year. The Crocodile Hunter became successful in the United States, the UK, and in over 150, 130 countries, reaching over 500 million people. Irwin's exuberant and enthusiastic presenting style, broad Australian accent, signature khaki shorts, and catchphrase, Crikey, became known worldwide. Sir David Attenborough praised Erwin for introducing many to the natural world, saying, quote, he taught them how wonderful and exciting it was. He was a born communicator. Uh, as well from that, uh, he made, like I said, he's pretty much focused his entire career um, working at his, at the zoo in, that he owns in Queensland, Australia, as well as making the crocodile hunter and various other nature documentaries for the discovery channel and other uh, places on TV. Uh, he primarily focused on conservation and keeping the environment stable for all these creatures to, uh, to survive and all of that. Um, and he, I didn't know about this but he was filming a documentary on sea lions in 2003 in mexico when he heard on his on the boat's radio that two scuba divers were missing and he immediately stopped filming to help find these scuba divers and he actually on the second day of searching he actually found one of them uh that was <laughs> like perched on a rock and unfortunately the second scuba diver was that was lost had passed away and drowned in a place a little further away but like that kind of just shows how actual kind-hearted that he was like yes he's known for like wrestling alligators and like being a little forceful with creatures but like he also was a super kind-hearted man and like did all like stuff to help protect anybody um as well as he also he also just has a couple of animals named after him uh he discovered a new species of turtle off the coast of queensland and he named it after his his uh after his family elisa Irwinnie. there was also <laughs> a land snail that was named after him called the crikey steve Irwinnie. And that was named after him in 2009. Jeez. And um, the country of Rwanda announced that it would name a baby gorilla after Irwin as a tribute to his work in wildlife. Like I said at the beginning, he was one, him and Sir David Attenborough were like the two people to like make nature documentaries like public and make people fall in love with animals 
especially animals that you don't quite get to see day to day. Um, but unfortunately, as I'm sure many of you know, Steve Irwin tragically passed away um, in September of 2006 after being uh, stabbed in the chest by a stingray while also filming a nature documentary. Um, but his family, both his wife and his two children continue to work at the uh, at the zoo that they own as well as his daughter and I think his son each have had their own show like continuing in his in their father's path and of making animals known for the public to enjoy yeah they, uh, yeah yeah uh, so those are the three of my Steve's I had uh Steve Austin, Steve Martin, and Steve Irwin. Uh, fun fact. Well, go ahead. No, you you say your fun fact. Uh, my uncle and Steve Irwin were pen pals. No way. And I didn't. And I did not find out about it until I looked at the mail and was like, "Why do you have a picture of Steve? Like, why is there like a picture of like Steve Irwin? Because it was a postcard, and it was." he had sent him like a postcard and he goes yeah he goes we write he goes I knew him I met him when I was in college he goes we write to each other from time to time and I was like why are wow. you telling me this now that's <laughs> so Not cool when like back way back when so um I was like cleaning out my uncle's stuff when he passed away and I was trying to find it and I couldn't find I couldn't find the postcards I don't know if he kept I don't think he kept them but um yeah, so they were they were like chummy and friends, and I was like, I really liked his show as a kid, so I would watch it. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me this, you know, now? Yeah. Why do you, why didn't you tell me this when I was like really into it? And it's just like I don't know, I never thought it would come up or like it would matter. What do you mean? But, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, they were they were penthouse. He Steve Irwin is also a part of my favorite. This is Sports Center commercial, where he is fighting the <laughs> University of Florida mascot. It, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> I also didn't know that he died. Like, it's almost been like 15 years since he's been dead. Yeah. It's crazy. It's been a while. I, I still think it's just so recent. Well, we have, uh, right before we wrap up, we're going to talk about some of our honorable mentions because since there were so many Steves. God, there were so many um, There really were. One of my honorable mentions was Steve Ballmer, who was a Microsoft CEO yeah. for a time period and the current owner of the Los Angeles Clippers. The best dance video I've ever seen. He's trying to buy the Mets. Please, God, let him buy the Mets. <laughs> he was... Did many, many things in his tenure at Microsoft. Some people enjoyed him. Some people didn't. Um, but notably, he was involved with the Xbox when it was uh, launching an Xbox 360 and partly responsible for its success. Anybody else? With Steve? I got I got a few. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much crossover we'll have, Matt, but Steve Nash, bas- famous basketball player. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Uh, Steve Kerr. Famous basketball player, be better, <laughs> much better coach, going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Uh, Steve Gu- Gutenberg, the best comedic actor of the 1980s, do not at me. 
Steve Perry, lead singer of Journey. Uh, Steve Byrne. Wait, Steve Nash ever win a ring? What? Steve Nash ever get a ring? Steve Nash did not get a ring. Uh, he got one as a coach, not as a player. Who did he coach? He the coached. Warriors. Yep. Steve Nash. Yeah. He was one. He was an assistant coach. He wasn't because Kerr was the head coach. Oh, well, yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, Steve Burns, aka Steve from from Blues Clues. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Steve Wilkos, uh, who hosted oh, the the spinoff yes. show from uh, Jerry um, Springer. Yeah, Jerry Springer. You so, mean yeah. the security guard that got his own spinoff? Hey, man, I love the Steve Wilkos show. The one time I watched it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Lord. yeah. So I had Steve Harvey. Oh. Steve Carell. Oh, of course, a freaking course, yeah. Uh. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Steamy Ray Vaughan, please. Stevie Van Zant, Another Sopranos reference. Steve okay. Aoki. Yeah. Uh, who else? Steve Smith. Both Steve oh, Smiths. The... And Stephen A. <laughs> and Stephen Dude, A. Smith. I loved, I loved Steve Smith on the Panthers. Steve McQueen. Steve Harville. The lead singer of Smash Mouth? Yes. <laughs> uh, and that's pr- Steve McNair, also one of my favorite uh, quarterbacks, R.I.P. Can, can I throw out two more? I don't Sorry, are you done? And Steve-O. That was my Wait, last one. Steve-, <laughs> Steve, Nash, Steve Nash was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Is he already in the Hall? In 2018. God damn. Wow, so he's been retired a lot longer than I thought he was. But, uh, yeah, what about, we completely forgot about Stevie Nicks and Steve McQueen. Yeah, we could, and Steven Tyler. We could honestly God damn it. do, we could honestly just do a music, Steve. Steve, part duh. What is our next name on the list? Oh. I believe I picked Steve. Ron, and I Matt think picked you're Jessica's up. before that. Ron, you're Oh up. my God, I really want to say Monica, but I don't know. What? Uh, it's a girl's name, right? Either one. Mm. You know what? I'm going to do this because I have a very specific person in mind. I'm going to go Elizabeth. So on our next installment of the of the favorite series, it'll be Elizabeth. Please check us out at Pop Culture Fed and let us know your favorite Steves and your favorite Elizabeth. Farewell, mother. My real name is...